from the New York City area, welcome to the Badass Counseling Show, where the master badass himself, Sven Erlinson, takes you deep and gives balm for the soul, baby. Hello, New Zealand, South Africa, the Azores, and the British Isles. Hello! Hello, Oklahoma. Good to have you here. And Nova Scotia and Vancouver. It's great to have everyone checking in today. Uh, all points north, south, east, west. Welcome to the Badass Counseling Show. I am Sven Erlinson, your host. I'm joined in studio by KC over there in the booth. And right next to me is Rob the Rocket. How are you today, Rob? All good, Sven. I'm excited about today's guest. Lots of um, sex and religion. Oh, wow. Well, I like sex and I like hearing about <laughs> Religion's impact on sex. There you go. Yes. All right. Well, Rob, I'm just going to turn it right over to you. Why don't you go ahead and tell us about Chris, our very interesting guest today. You got it, Sven. Here we go. Chris wrote into us and said, I'm dating a man who's 58, raised by a traveling evangelical pastor, so he lived life on the road and drilled into his head, masturbation and premarital sex or any sex outside of marriage are sins. Married twice, and now during sex with me, he gets in his head and can't perform, or when he can, he has extreme guilt. His father lives nearby and still has a big influence, owns him, as described in one of your videos. How does he get his dad out of his head? The belief that he is going against what the Bible says, that he's not a good Christian man if he's having sex or masturbating. He so wants to, but is struggling. I'm trying to find resources and can't. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thank you. It's great to have Good you morning. here. Good morning Thanks. to you. That's what you told us when you wrote into the show. That was the information. And my producers read that and they thought, oh, here's one. We'll uh, challenge, you know, stump the teacher with that one. And so we got all queued up and they had you all ready to go for today's show. And we get you on and Rob is running the sound check and you share one tiny piece of information <laughs> that has happened like immediately like yesterday why don't you go ahead and tell last us what that night. was last night chris tell us what happened last night yeah last night we were i was planning on having a great weekend with him and i broke up with him why and i gotta hear why did you break up with him because we were in a mutually exclusive relationship and about a month ago um i had found by asking him, not by him telling me, I had found that he had been online um, perusing women. And so we had a discussion about that and the reasons why. And I forgave and, you know, gave him grace, was trying to let him earn trust back. And we were doing great. And last night um, we were looking at his phone, doing something. And a message came up that said, maybe Julie. Oh. And he quickly flicked it off the screen. There it is. Uh-huh. And we went and, you know, we were fooling around and we were doing stuff. And in my head, I'm going, maybe Julie, maybe Julie, maybe Julie. And I knew exactly what was going on. And um, we went out for dinner. And I finally, I said I had a question to ask him. And he said, oh, is it, you know, ask me a couple things. Is it this? Is it that? And I'm like, nope. And I said, so who's Julie? And 
He said that he's been having a conversation with her. He had known her from online from before, and she had contacted him to ask him to go out. And I said, okay, no, okay. And I said, so what did you say? She said, could we meet for coffee? And he said, he said, possibly. Oh, there it is. And I said, possibly, huh? I said, you know what? We're done. Wow. I said, we're done. And then what did you do or say? What did you do? And and he said, well, I told her possibly I'm telling you the truth. And I said, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, he said a lot of men, a lot of men would lie when they were asked. And I said, a lot of men wouldn't wait until they were caught to tell the truth. Right. They would talk about it. And I said, you know what? I said, I gave you grace the first time Mm -hmm. when you were telling me that you wanted to maybe have not be exclusive anymore and you wanted to have like test drive other cars while you were with me. Mm -hmm. And I said, I would walk away if you did that. And so you started test driving. You started a conversation of the possibility with somebody of having coffee that you don't do that when you're having a mutually exclusive relationship. Right. And he said, but I didn't do anything. We didn't go out. I have never gone out. said, he said, I'm, I didn't cheat. Well, <laughs> cheating isn't just having sex. Right, right. Cheating so, isn't just. So uh, just out of curiosity, just out of curiosity on that point right there, do you yeah. think, how do you assess it? And we have no way of knowing what's inside of his head definitively, but you've been with him. Do you think he genuinely doesn't get it? Do you think he. Oh, gen- yeah. Or, I mean, he's, so he's just fucking dumb. I mean, on that, he's just, he doesn't see that the intent or the mere consideration is already an indicator that I have one foot out of this fucking relationship or half a foot out of this. He, he's, yeah. he doesn't fucking see that. Is that it? Or is he trying he, to cover? Um, no, he, he doesn't see it. Cause we, we texted a whole bunch. It was an hour drive home and I was texting, pulling off the road, texting the entire time. Hmm. He, he doesn't see it. Okay. He saw that as he turned it around to put it on me that, you know, we've got some issues we need to work out. And I said, yeah, it's going to help to bring another woman in. It's going <laughs> to well, help. Right. And and the part that I, I really enjoyed, and we're going to go back through the sequence of last night, but I, I enjoyed the part where he said, but I'm telling you the truth. And uh-huh. like, that's a free fucking pass. And uh-huh. once again, Rob, I'm reminded of, I don't know if you've ever seen this, Chris, but the movie Talladega Nights. Uh, the Ballad no. of Ricky Bobby. Oh, with, okay. with all due respect. With man. all due respect. In the movie, he's like, say, I forget what the point is, but he says, you know, with all due respect, and then he just tears the guy a new asshole. And the, <laughs> the guy says, you can't do that. That's that. Yeah. No, but I said with all due respect, so with I can say respect, whatever I want. So that, right. So he's yeah. basically saying, but I, I told you the truth, so I should be able yeah. to cheat because I, I I told you the truth. Uh-huh. It's like, no, Dumbo. It's just yeah. like, yeah. Okay. And I said that to him. I said, so... So you answered the question and you told me the pr- truth and I appreciate that, but I'm not dumb. Right. And I said, so what questions am I not asking you? So I'm not hearing the truth. Right. Cause there's a million questions that I could not be getting the answer to. True now. Okay. Uh, Rob, did you want to say something on that? Tune in next week with our guest, Julie. Julie. <laughs> what? Oh, Julie, they're right. Julie. I'm a little slow. That's right. We'll have Julie next week. No, we won't. Wish we could, but no. I, uh, oh, I wish you could. <laughs> I uh, wish I could be on with her. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. 
tear her a new one. Um, all right. No, no, it's not her fault. Oh, no. It's She's doing you a favor. Great. If he wanted to leave, great. You did me a favor in a way. Yeah. Okay. So I want to back up on, a, on several things. Uh, let's work our way backwards, starting with last night. I mean, he really is fucking dumb. If he's cheating or, or has that, doesn't understand phone functions, that occasionally you get a text and he'll say, well, maybe this is, you know, uh, Steve, who was your plumber a year ago, maybe Steve, you know, whatever. He's never had that happen. He doesn't occur. It doesn't occur to him. I mean, if we're really being honest, if he's has shit that he's doing on his phone, why would he be allowing his girlfriend to see his phone? And this is, this is sort of the naivete yeah. of so many cheaters is they don't think, but I'm not trying to teach people how to cheat. Yeah. So we're not going to yeah. go down that road. But anyway, this comes up and it says, maybe Julie. And then you said, we started fooling around and then you're going, maybe Julie, maybe Julie. I'm curious what happened inside of you. And, and it's not scolding or anything bullshit like yeah. that. It's just curious, yeah. honest question. What's going in, on inside of you? Because the second you saw, maybe it's Julie, the second that happened, I guarantee your gut started churning and your head started firing at 400 miles in a fucking oh, hour. You Correct? Right. Oh, so, yeah. So then how did we go from that going on inside of you to now you are fooling around. And again, I'm not blaming you. I just want to sure. know how you were able to do that or why you did that. What's what's operating inside of you that you would even do that when you know you're at peak anxiety level? You're right. And I, and I deal with anxiety, which is funny. I take meds for it. Mm. I thought, you know what? I want to see how far you're going to go with this. I want to see, you know that I saw it. You flipped it away. How, how are you going to tell me? Are you going to, I'm just going to act like everything's normal. We're just going to go along here. Like, are you going to come clean? Uh, let me push back on that. It makes total sense. You're running an experiment, basically. I, in that moment, <laughs> I didn't say who's that and, and get all antsy. I'm going to run an experiment. Okay. Now that's, yep. that's the response of someone who has likely experienced this before with this person or the and or had experiences that caused me to distrust this person that now I have an opportunity. You were so conscious in that moment that I'm going to use this opportunity to run an experiment because I don't trust this fucker. So I, let's go. Mm -hmm. Let's okay. Let's play along. I was and, already going to ask him when I went over last night if he was having conversations with people. Oh, okay. That was already oh, in my head. Oh, and so why was that already in your head? If you had given him grace, you know, uh, what was it, a month ago, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. why, did, why does this all of a sudden pop into your fucking head? Because there had been things where I would ask something or I would say something and um, just just there were hints like, like his, okay, right. his I, sister texted him and said, you know, are you on a date tonight? And he's like, Oh, why would she say date? Obviously, I'm only dating well, you. So why would she say date well, instead of your name? Right. Okay. Like, and so first okay. first of all, nice to know his sister is in on it. Uh, but anyway, more <laughs> importantly, um, I, I love that you did that because so many people that I've worked with over the years, so many people don't listen to those little, just they're just little ping on the sonar. Yeah. And maybe maybe it's, you know, an enemy ship a hundred miles away, but that ping comes across your sonar, that there's something. 
it feels off or something sounds just a little bit off. And we tend to distrust it because we're listening, yeah. listening to their mouth saying, no, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. It's nothing. It's nothing. We want to believe the mouth, but the fucking ping right. is still on the ray on the sonar. And yeah. you've picked up a few pings. And I mean it when I say, I yeah. really applaud you for that because that's someone who is not only in tune to her sonar, in tune to her intuition, but is prepared to speak about it, act on it, stand up for it rather than dismiss it. Okay. Yeah, so, and that it. to some degree is a, is an old man's game, an old woman's game that you trust your voice a little more uh, oftentimes, not always, but you know, you said you're 58 and you know, I'm 55. So we're roughly the same age. And that's yeah. as we go through life and so forth. One of the good things, if we let it happen is we listen to that a little bit more. So I applaud mm -hmm. you for that. So you came in a bit hot. You came in hot last night. And yeah, I didn't come in hot. I mean, well, I just suspicious, came in suspicious, suspicious. Right, would be. And a I, act, word. I didn't, I didn't let him know that at all. Uh huh. And what I found interesting was, you know, as we're fooling around, and I, you know, we kind of decide we're going to go out for dinner, and I kind of ended things, and he looked at me and he said, he "said something's bothering you." So did you have? Did you actually have? Hold on. Did you actually have sexual intercourse or not? No. Okay, go ahead. So something's mm -hmm. bothering you, and you said. I, I just kind of didn't say anything. I just gave him a look like, yeah, obviously something is, but I just kind of shook my head. Like I, I, I don't want to talk and about it. And why didn't right you now. want to talk about it then and there yet? Because we were in bed. I didn't want to, it, it wasn't a comfortable situation to, to bring it up. I didn't want to be that vulnerable in that situation and Fair. get up and get dressed. And Fair, all but you could have talked about it in the kitchen. Why go we out to dinner? Have. Why did you choose that? And I'm not scolding. I just want to know uh -huh. why you chose yeah, that. Yeah, what was my thought process? I still wanted to see how far he was going to take it. Okay. And so then you're me. at dinner and basically, I but you said earlier, I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to talk about it. He's, you know, asking these different questions, whatever. What made you decide to finally talk about it? What made you decide, okay, I've taken this far enough. Now I'm going to blurt it out. What made you decide? When we had a conversation about something else at the end of dinner and I said, um, I said, there's one other thing, but I said, I don't want to talk about it here. And he's like, well, what? And I said, I don't want to cry here. So then we were leaving the restaurant and he, we were holding hands and he looked at me and he goes, is it because I unmatched you on match? Is that your question? And we met on match.com mm -hmm. and, and I said, I said, huh? Um, no, but I did know that. No, but thanks for telling me. <laughs> no, but I did know that. Okay. I already knew that because okay. I had discovered that when he was online before. Mm -hmm. That's how I knew that he was online. I initially found that out. And then that's why I asked him if he was online. And so I said, I said, no, but thanks for telling me. I already knew that. Okay. But my question is, are you having conversations with other people now? Mm -hmm. Because we'd had this discussion already. And we had decided after that, that we were good. You told me specifically two weeks ago, we're good. We're exclusive. Mm -hmm. We're good. And, um, and I said, and then a text comes up that says maybe Julie. Okay. And I said, so, I'm not dumb. So you blurted it out. You guys got into it and you walked away. Okay. Back on that incident that you said a month ago, but just now you said two weeks ago. Um, two weeks ago, we had the discussion that we were exclusive, that we were, so I, I let it go for two weeks. How long, um, how long have you guys been dating? Since the middle of January. Middle of January. Okay. So mm -hmm. middle of January to basically end of April. So that's four, four and a half months. 
Um, and a month ago would have been three, three and a half months. Um, you discover that he's out there, you know, fishing around for other women. And we talked about, we even went to my therapist. We talked about it there. Okay. And okay. And you chose to forgive. You chose to, uh, to use your words, give him grace. And I said, if we weren't going to be exclusive, I would walk away. So he needed to decide when that happened, if he was going to continue to do that. Mm -hmm. If we were not going to be exclusive, I would walk away. Fair enough. And that's what you did. Just out of curiosity, your word choice is interesting. I gave him grace. It sounds religious. And you mentioned religion in, you know, you're talking about his background and so forth. Was mm -hmm. it, was that influenced in any way? Maybe it wasn't. Was it influenced in any way by your religion, that decision? Because that is a, that is a unique phrase. Was that decision to forgive, which is not exclusive to religion, but it's very common, especially in Christianity mm -hmm. um, and, and other religions, of course. But, mm -hmm. uh, and the notion of give him grace is not a phrase that a lot of people throw out there. So I'm just curious, was this to some degree influenced by your religious beliefs? Probably. Um, it's interesting because of his background. I was raised very, very strict Catholic. Okay. Went to private Catholic school for 12 years. I was raised with the same beliefs that he has. Sex outside of marriage is not appropriate. All of the same things that he was raised with. Okay. So, yeah. So giving him grace, I guess, yeah. And are you are you a frequent churchgoer yourself? Is this is it still part of your life or was that uh, yeah. sort of your past? Okay. I don't believe in the teachings of the Catholic Church. Right. I am very far away from it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, and yet you did say that that notion of forgiving and giving him grace did play into it, factor into it. I'm just, mm -hmm. thought, I'm just curious, if you were to yeah. spitball it, if you were to give me a percentage that that played into this decision to forgive him, to give him grace, what percentage do you think it factored in, even if you weren't conscious of it, but I mean, that it was at play in the decision, what percentage do you think it was at play? Because I had asked you the question, how much, when you said you forgave him, you gave him grace, that I said, how much of that is sort of your religion presently or past? How much, you know, was that factored yeah. in? And you thought about it and you said, yeah, I think it was. And so I'm wondering how much, what percentage do you think it factored into probably, the decision? Probably not very much. Okay, not probably very much. Probably 20%. Okay, fair enough. And then, um, then let me ask you the other question, how much of your forgiving, as you said, uh, how much of your forgiving was driven by fear? The fear of losing a potential relationship. Because mind you, you're a few months into a relationship and already you guys are going to therapy. Nothing wrong with that. But no. that's an investment. So you're already investing. He's investing. Yeah. You're both investing. And how much, and so then when you invest in something more, we it's sort of implicit we want to lose it less and we don't want to lose something we invest in right. the stock market right. or whatever it might be right. right and so in this case how much of your forgiving him was driven by the fear of losing him i just want to clarify something the therapy session that he went to is a therapist that i have gone to for a long time uh -huh. and i invited him to go to for another reason fair enough so so it wasn't like couples therapy it was it the sex related stuff regarding him no no. Okay. Okay. No. Fair enough. But uh, you invited him to go, and uh, uh -huh. nonetheless, in therapy with something for whatever you're in therapy. Um, right. Right. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You said he brought this stuff up in therapy that the cheating came up in therapy, right? I brought it up. 
Okay. In therapy. So even if the intent wasn't couples therapy, couples therapy is going on. It happened. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you've got and this. And she in- called him out. Okay. She called him out. Fair enough. And so you're in, you know, when you make that sort of investment, again, the things we invest in more, yeah. we more fear yeah. to lose generally. Okay. Yeah. And so I guess getting, getting back to it, what percentage of your forgiving him and giving him grace was because you were afraid of losing him or this relationship, or you were afraid of being alone again, or how much of it was, if you were to be totally honest, what percent was driven by fear? Probably 50%, if I'm being completely honest. Okay. Appreciate your honesty. Yeah. Right. I, we were we were talking about the possibility of marriage down the road. All right. This was this. I have never said I would get married again. Yeah. I <laughs> I have said vehemently I will never get married again. I was oh. married thirty one years. Wow. Now I I've been married twice, and I have said, and I've been with the same woman for nine and a half years. But I've sort of said. I, I have no interest in getting married. I adore this yeah. woman. I'm madly faithful to her. Yeah. I, you know, worship the ground she walks on for the most part. Um, and uh, <laughs> except when she spits, then I don't like the ground. I'm teasing, she doesn't spit. But the point is, I get it. I totally get it. Nothing wrong with that. Um, what's fascinating about what you just said is that the forgiving him and giving him grace was 20% driven by religion, 50% driven by fear, which means there's 30% unaccounted for. And it went, we're going to take a break and come right back. And we're going to find out what that 30% is right after this. Okay. Well, you've, you've heard the podcast, you've listened to other people's issues. Maybe you've studied hundreds of Sven's TikTok videos. Time to stop lurking, face your fears. And focus directly on the one person in your life who can benefit the most from Sven's experience and insight. Now, that would be you. Just go to badasscounseling.com and order Sven's book, There's a Hole in My Love Cup. Or check out his many video courses. Sven found a way to help himself out of a 12 years depression. It worked for him. And it can work for you too. Check out badasscounseling.com today. This show provides soul counseling intended to entertain and inform and is not medical advice. Now, back to the badass. And we are back with the Badass Counseling Show and Chris is telling us about breaking up with her boyfriend of four and a half months just last night. And he had some sex issues, and we're going to get into the sexy sex stuff, but we're hearing about the breakup, and she chose to break up with him, and he uh, was out, uh, you know, he was sort of stepping out Uh, about a month ago. She called him out, gave him grace, forgave, and now we're finding out why. And uh, um, Chris, you were very open. You admitted there was 10 to 20% for that old sort of past religious shit from your, and not that religion is bad, whatever, but for you, you know, the religious past, you know, in those ideas of, you know, just forgive and give somebody a chance. It's 50% driven by fear, which means there's still 30% unaccounted for. What was the other 30% that drove your decision to forgive or give him grace? Stupidity? No, I was just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what was it really? Um, I honestly don't know. It was probably feeling like somebody deserves a second chance. Probably that gray area of, okay, I've got my radar up. I'm forgiving you, but I'm not forgetting. There's there's a gray area here where... But that's different from uh, giving someone a second chance. You're saying, you just said two things. I'm going to give him a yeah. second chance 
And, you know, but there's a gray area here and I have my antenna up and so on and so forth. I want you to pinpoint in one sentence or less, what was it? What was causing you to to forgive him? We know it was 50% fear, fear of being alone, fear of, you know, having to find someone new, et cetera. And you can change any of these numbers. And it was, you know, 10 to 20% sort of just what it was ingrained, you know, forgive and forget and, you know, or just forgive and give people grace. What was the other aspect of that was really driving you to choose to go back to someone who had knowingly, willfully, basically cheated on you? Because whether they had sex or not or isn't even the point. He's cheating by right. even stepping out. Right. You and I understand that. So what was right. really driving your decision to go back into it? Probably a feeling of being able to fix. A feeling of being able to... Okay. Being able to, to fix make is, something change. Right. Okay. So that's and but underlying that then is I want this relationship to work. Yeah, I was gonna say an investment. Right. An so investment. I'm gonna invest. And the reason I want to invest is because he's worth it. He's worth this investment. He's worth taking that chance. Okay, he's worth it. So despite what he just did, the rest mm-hmm. of him is worth it. So I'm willing yes. to take this chance. Fast forward uh, 13 months from now, and you find yourself in the exact same situation or damn near, and someone who you feel is worth it and steps out like that, um, there's no right or wrong answer. Do you make the same decision? Yeah. Okay, fair. All right. So I want to back up to what you were saying before, what you wrote into us, and you were talking about he was raised by a traveling evangelical pastor, lived life on the road, and it was drilled into his head that masturbation and premarital sex and sex outside of marriage are sins, which is actually kind of funny because he's basically trying to find someone outside of his relationship with you. Oh, the irony. Uh, married twice, now during sex with me, he gets in his head and can't perform. He has, he, and he has extreme guilt. Any new thoughts on that in light of last night's breakup events? Yeah, actually, we've texted since and he texted me this morning and kind of told me what? exactly. He said that basically the way that that I'm seeing him now is how he felt every time we were physical. That he felt like he was cheating on God. That he was he was cheat he was going against what God would want him to do. Just like I said, he was going against what I wanted him to do. Oh, so isn't he was he clever. Isn't he clever? Did did I'm I'm I would God I wish I could have fucking. Taken, <laughs> taking your phone from you and just texted because I would want to say, then how did you feel when you're in this relationship with me, having sex last night or at least in bed fooling around, right? And you feel like you're cheating on God, but you knew you were potentially going to see Julie or Susie on Tuesday. Did you feel like you were really, really cheating on God? Or did that not feel like cheating on God? What does God think of that? Or do you get a free pass for that? What I would want to know is how yeah. is not, I, I, I'm just curious what the thought process is. Is that, does he experience that as bad? That's, Be- I texted him that exact question. Okay. And did he respond? No. No. That and- was just right before the show. Well, and and that's interesting. Well, if we get any late breaking updates, <laughs> we'll run a Chiron a cut across the screen. The Update, newsflash. Um, newsflash, just in. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you know what? There is a message. <laughs> this is fucking great. We couldn't have planned. I got to hear. Is it any good? Is it juicy? What do you, What do you got? He won't communicate with me anymore. I thought you said you just got something in. Or is he I saying, did. I won't communicate? Yeah. 
he says, he says, okay, I've owned up. I surrender. I am sorry. You've said a lot of things that hurt. The true colors comment was devastating. So I, I said, you know, thank you for revealing your true colors before we ended up going down the road to marriage. Said the true colors comment was devastating. There is no point going on like this. I should have respected you enough to tell you about my reservations. I am thankful to have known you. I never had so much fun. You were amazing. I no longer wish to communicate. I wish you the best. Thoughts, Rob? Oh, breaking news on the Badass Counseling Show. That's a first. Wow. And so let me ask you, oh, I thought you had a, had a thought that you wanted to say to him or something like that. Oh, there's lots of things I could say to him, but this is about Chris. I know, Chris. I, I, first of all, I'm sorry. And I, I know we're, you know, there's a lot of irony in this, and, uh, but it's hard. Come on. A relationship just it ended. Hard. It's hard. And, and I, so uh, I hope you don't feel in any way that I'm in any way, you know, making light of it because it's heavy well, and it's hard, especially when you have your hopes up. And especially when you're yeah. making investments, it's hard. It's heartbreaking uh, yeah. and so forth. And so w now after getting that text, what are you feeling right now, Chris? I'm pissed. <laughs> All right. And I'm what? Pissed. And I want you to distill it, condense it down into one sentence. What fucking pisses you off the most? What are you most angry about in one sentence or less? He, he doesn't get it. It's, it's put on me. Right. It's, it's put on me. Right. And so let me ask you, and, and I'm not... There's no expectation of action, but I'm just curious. What is the one sentence above all else that you most want to say to him? You don't ever have to say it. I'm not pushing you to say it. Zero percent. I'm just curious what the hell it is. What do you most want to say to him? What's the wait, 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 wait. What's the giggle? What's the giggle? Tell me, tell me, talk to me. There's a giant fuck you, uh -huh. but that. I would not say. No, I'm not disputing. Because. I didn't ask you what you would say. I'm asking mm -hmm. what you want to say. So what at I the beginning, at the beginning of your sentence, I'm going to give you, I'm going to allow you a semicolon. So you can say giant fuck you to, we'll just call him <laughs> Tom. Giant fuck you, Tom. Semicolon. Now, what else do you want to say? And we'll still count it as your one sentence. What do you most want to say to him? If you were to be totally honest, we got the fuck you out of the way, got some of that rage out, and you can still do rage, you can do sad, you can do yeah. statement of fact, you can say anything you want. What do you most want to say to him? That you're a quitter, which is exactly mm. what he says about his ex-wife. That, And he's so pissed about it that she's a quitter. And I told him this already. I said, you're, you're exactly what you're pissed about with your ex-wife you're a quitter mm. you're a quitter uh just out of curiosity uh you said he's been married twice so the quitter is the second wife or the first wife second wife. second wife and how long were they together and how long ago did they divorce 30 years they were together 30 years and they divorced four years ago huh and mm -hmm. uh you know his beef was with her was that she was a quitter likely other things as well but she was a quitter she stopped trying and did you sense in your conversations with him about his ex, we'll call her Susie, do you sense in your conversations about his conversations about Susie that there were there was any sort of emotional charge there? Anger, sadness, frustration, melancholy, blue, oh, excitement, what? A lot of anger. A lot of anger. Tons of anger. A lot mm -hmm. of anger. All right. Huge so, abandonment issues. Right. And, and so a couple of things indicated there that if he's calling her a quitter, that implies, you know, it's like out on the baseball field, my team, you know, if we're little kids out on the back lot, it's us four against you four. And, you know, we run up a 10 run lead 
And then Billy and Jeffy, they say, fuck you, I'm going home. I don't want to play anymore. Oh, you fucking quitter. Right. It implies I want to keep playing. He's implying by calling her a quitter, he wanted to keep playing. He wanted, so he got his heart broken. And now he's mad and he's mad. And what's fascinating is a 30-year relationship you know, there are some people that say it takes, you know, with a death, that it, it give it uh, six months of grieving for every year uh, that the person was alive. That, so you could be grieving a long time. Now there are ways to accelerate that. But even if we said, you know, for every three years, every four years of the relationship, it takes six months or a year to grieve. So he's got a lot of years of grieving. If he's still livid, still angry, he hasn't discharged all of that emotion about the past. And so it's infusing your relationship. Right. But that, I, we're not here to talk about him. You said, I want to say a giant fuck you and I want to call him a quitter. Okay. And you made a comment. You said, well, you know, you giggled. And then I said, what? And you said, giant fuck you, but I'd never say that. And just out of curiosity, why would you never say that? Because with my ex-husband, I said that, a million times and i'm 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 done with that i'm i'm not engaging in that anymore it's he's not worth he's not worth the words okay and uh fair enough fair enough and i'm not saying you should say that uh, to this gentleman that's not the point i was just curious Mm -hmm. what was causing you to sort of pull the punch sort of hold back even with me you held back i had to drag it out of you so that implies yeah. that you really keep the fuck you stuff down deep you keep the anger i don't want to express the anger let's find a reason let's think about a reason when deep down yeah. you really and i'm again i'm not saying you should say this i'm not pushing yeah. But deep down, there is anger that wants to come out, but you suppressed it. I had to reach down your throat and pull it out. Yeah. And so what that implies to me is that there may be other things down there that Sven didn't drag out, that no one else has dragged out, that down deep inside of you, there is anger and anger is a response oh, to yeah. pain. Their anger is a response yep. to hurt and not, and yep. potentially not just in this relationship, Yeah. but past shit that is being stuffed down, feelings being stuffed down. And you're saying yes, you're saying yes, fair. Uh, let me ask you this question. How long have you been stuffing down your anger? How long have you been stuffing down your feelings? You said in your marriage, you let it out. There was too much fuck you, right? I got tired of the fuck you. But if you're engaging this behavior now, it's like this person isn't worth it, got it. But I said to you just now, there's not just anger regarding this, potentially there's anger from past shit. And you said, yep, yep. And so what I'm wondering is, when did you first, even if you had reprieves or times when you let the anger out, when did you first in your entire life start choking down the feelings, particularly the anger? Probably when I was about 16. And So a long, long, long time ago. Fair enough, uh, 42 years ago. And so what was it why 16? Why not 10? Why not 22? Why at 16 did you start choking down your feelings? Why then? I was raised in a very interesting environment. I had um, my mom pretty emotionally and verbally abusive. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's kind of the time when you start to, I, I was told you, sh- you shouldn't go out. You can't go do this. You can't do that because you could be raped as a girl. Mm-hmm. Um, you shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be doing that. And in school, in classes, I would get into, um, debates with the priest in classes about why can't I be an altar girl? Why can't I do this? Why can't I do, why should women have to not be doing this? And why do, 
Why do girls just get agreed? Good. All valid questions. All valid things. But what we asked, I was asking, why did you, when did you start suppressing feelings, particularly anger, but any feelings? And you said 16. And I'm saying, why 16? What were the, because you're, and then you brought up your mom. Mom had always said, well, don't go out and you should this and you shouldn't that. You said mom was emotionally and verbally abusive. So uh, mm-hmm. safe to say mom's the superpower in the house and not a uh, superpower mm-hmm. for good, right? And yeah. so she has all the power and her, yeah. clearly she's letting out her emotions and it's all yeah. being dumped on you and maybe siblings, whatever, maybe her husband, whatever. But the bottom line right. is there's no room for anyone else's emotions. It's all about mom. Right. And if you let out oh. your feelings, oh, you'd get a wallop of an emotional abuse, right? Is that, am I somewhat right. in the ballpark? Oh, absolutely. All right. So then you it got that. Safe. You got it that. Wasn't safe. Of course not for your feelings. And so the child stuffs them down to keep your real feelings safe because mom would fucking eat me alive if I showed what I really feel. So mm-hmm. I'm going to be whoever the hell I got to be to either get approval mm-hmm. or at the very least avoid the pain, avoid the criticism, avoid the abuse. Right. So, yep. and, and that was going on long before 16, right? Is that correct? Yep. Okay. So then we just established that you choking down your feelings and your anger and your sadness started long before 16. You had been getting that fucking message, the emotional abuse and the verbal abuse since you were one, two, three, four, whatever. So you had been doing this your entire life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so then- Thus anxious attachment. (laughs) Right, right. No, I I totally get it because what it gets stuffed down because you've been living in this like deer in the headlights with the ears up about feelings, you're always tuned in, reading this, reading the ground, you become an expert at reading people. Um, and and so it's like, is it safe? Is it safe to be the real me? Which implies to me, all of this says to me in the anxious attachment and your anxiety medications, hey, if it works for you, God bless you. I, you know, that's not my realm, but what it says to me is, there's a fuck ton of pain back there that is still inside you. There's a fuck ton oh, yeah. of anger. There's a fuck ton of sadness in there. And the truth is, if it's still in there, you're wanting it in there for a reason. You're not wanting to get it out of you. It doesn't feel safe or it would overwhelm me or whatever. So I wanna ask you kind of an odd question. And the odd mm-hmm. question is this. The odd question is, um, at this moment today, you've broken up with a boyfriend. Um, mm-hmm. If And I'm not saying you should, I'm just asking a question. What kept those, what ca- caused you to put those feelings inside, you know, sort of put them in a cigar box, close a cigar box, wrap it up with duct tape and stick your feelings way down deep inside under the bed next to the Christmas sweaters, okay? And you <laughs> did that because it wasn't safe to pull your feelings out and just live normally of expressing, to just say, to cry when I'm sad, to be angry when I'm angry, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Okay, so then my question to you is right now, are you safe? Is your mom still antagonized? Would she abuse you? Would somebody hurt you if you were to choose to? And I'm not saying you should choose to, I'm just asking. Mm -hmm. If you were to Mm -hmm. choose to go to that and pull out that box, would it be safe? Yeah. And I actually do more than I, more than I have over the past year, I've done a ton of work. Why is that? Why did you choose at the age of 57 a year ago 
56, 57. Why did you choose after 56 fucking years of living this way to change your course of action rather than stuffing things in the night, any new feelings in the night depository slot vault, you know, of all your feelings? Because after a while, you know, it doesn't fit in that cigar box anymore, right? We need a bigger, and then we get a safe and then we realize I need a fucking vault. All right, this is crazy because it's bursting. Now there's no more room. I can't get it. Okay. And so you've been stuffing shit in there. Why after 57 years would you all of a sudden choose choose to attempt to start emptying the vault of all the shit you've been stuffing in there, all those feelings that you had to keep safe. Why at 57? Why not at 42? Why not at 63? Why at all? Why? Because I was fucking tired of it. Mm. (laughs) I I had a relationship that ended. It was actually like a year and a half ago now. And I was devastated. Mm. Absolutely devastated on my knees devastated sorry no no stop stop Um, let the tears come hold on you're in it right now you're feeling it right now aren't you you tell the story you've got a memory with a powerful emotional charge and you're feeling that emotional charge right now aren't you yeah let it come just let it come we got all the time in the world okay just let the tears come all right yeah so i had i had a breakup had been with a guy for 15 months he broke up with me and I had done, I had done the people pleasing thing for 15 months. I had never raised my voice. I had swallowed my voice. I had done everything I said I would never do again after being in an abusive relationship mm. for 31 years. I said never, ever, ever again will I let somebody treat me like this. Mm. And I went and I swallowed, I swallowed myself for someone in order to be loved, in order to be liked, you know? And when he broke up with me, I was, I was devastated. I was on the floor, devastated. And that was the point where I said, you know what? Fuck this. Fuck this. You got to figure this out. You got to figure this out. And I listened to every podcast, read every book, listened to everything I possibly could to crawl out of the hole. Mm. And I did. And working on it, clearly. You are working on yeah. it. God bless you. I, I respect the hell out of that because it's powerful stuff and it's scary stuff. Um, I got to ask, you said, I swore after the abusive relationship I was in, which of course, in in a tragic way, is very comfortable if that's what you grew up in. It's very normal. Yeah. You know how to respond to an abuser. You know, you're a fucking expert about being around yeah. and, you know, what say, what not say, what to read them and then uh, go off a, to react to whatever they're doing. You're an expert because you grew up in that shit show, yeah. right? And you yeah. swore you would never do it again, presumably because it hurts, it sucks, it's painful, right? Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah, and, and I walked away. And you walked away. I was strong. That's beautiful. I walked away. And then there you go. And it didn't happen on the first date, uh, you know, the 15-month the relationship. It didn't, you know, but- things sort of small things become a little bit bigger become a little bit bigger and all of a sudden i'm in a sort of a full-blown shit show but all of a sudden more importantly i'm not never raising my voice and i'm swallowing my voice and swallowing myself the very thing i swore i would never do and so the question is why because i was afraid to be alone Ah, there it is i was i was afraid to be left right and you've heard me say before likely that very often the thing we fear that in the being alone Yes, it's how will I survive financially, maybe for some people, or maybe it's, you know, the practicality stuff. But what it really often is, you know, in fear of it, I'll never be loved, right? I'll never have a love source Mm -hmm. back in my life to pour love into my love cup, right? 
But what it yeah. also is, is when I've got someone here, even if they're hitting me, even if they're yelling at me and, or telling them I'm a big stupid jerk, Sven, and you have a small penis, which actually happened to me in one of my relationships, and it hurt very much, but I kept the person. Why? Because this person is a living, breathing counter message that their mere presence confirms that I have some measure of worth, whereas all those voices in my past, thanks mom, said I have no worth, right? No worth that you suck, you're no good, you're not wanted, you're uh, too fat, too skinny, too ugly, too tall, too short, too stupid, too smart, whatever. Right. All those messages that I don't matter. And so by having this person here, all of those messages become quieted. It's a buffer mm -hmm. between my head and those messages down deep. But boy, when that person goes clip, clop, clip, clop, clip, clop, clip, clop, and walks away, all those messages come roaring back up. I suck, I'm no good. Yeah. And we engage in all manner of activities to try to make those voices go away. Booze, pills, uh, over gaming, over swiping, overworking, the old classic old one, overworking and booze, right? Or, you know, shopping or chaos or whatever it is. Shopping. Right, shopping. Yep. Okay, it sounds like that may be one of yours. We've all got yep. things to try, right, or food or something. We've all got our ways to try to make those voices go away. But boy, there ain't no drug. Well, there are a few, but there ain't no drug like love, right? I've done, worked with mm -hmm. a lot of soldiers and there is a drug even more powerful than that. And it's called war for a lot of soldiers um, and which makes readjustment to society very, very difficult, but the desire to make those go away. And so we hold on to relationships for fear of those voices. That's what we are really running from. When we stay in a relationship, and I've done it. So there's zero mm -hmm. judgment on you, Chris. I've done it. Mm -hmm. When we stay in those relationships and we sell the farm, in your case, you sold your voice. You sold yep. yourself. I swallowed my voice. I swallowed myself again. And it's that yep. fear. It's that fear of those voices from way back there, echoing, echoing. I just out of curiosity, is your mother still alive? My mom has, she's in the end stages of Lewy body dementia. Oh. And so she, she is, but isn't. Right. <laughs> and just for the record, um, so many people say to me, well, Sven, how can I heal my childhood stuff? My, you know, my old man's dead now or you know whatever and i always tell people the the parent you know there's that old oscar wilde quote that i have in my book that uh, no man is truly free until he can live as though his father is dead he doesn't say until your father is dead so it's not about the living breathing person until you can live as though in other words inside of yourself in other words the parent that has to be slayed and the messages with that parent is the mom mm -hmm. that's still very much taking up real estate inside of you. She fucking owns you with her bullshit messages. Let me ask yep. you, just out of curiosity, if you were to distill down to one sentence, the primary message you got from mom about yourself, either explicit or implicit, the primary message you got from your mother was what? You will, you're not good enough. Okay, and you started you, to say you will. You will never be good enough, mm. no matter what you do. Now, I guarantee I have tens of thousands of listeners who can identify with that. You will never be good enough, right? That is the message driving every single one of your relationships. That is the message that is causing you to swallow your voice, that internal belief that I am not good enough. And so I have to give you everything. I have to give you whatever you want. I will do anything for you. As I talk about my book, you become a relationship camel. I will give you everything 
everything. I'll do everything. I can go long distances on just a little bit of love. Just give me a little bit of love. I was that person. So I'm in no way scolding, but you will never be good enough is the message that is causing you to be subservient, causing you to be passive, causing you to eat shit, causing you to live in fear, causing you to let people cheat on you and keep going back in and keep going back in. But you didn't this time. You broke up and I am so proud of you, dude. That is so fucking awesome. Really, I mean that. And that's and so it's the rebuilding. But the healing for you, Chris, the healing is you have to go back into those messages. And the fear, the fear of you not mattering, the fear of being left, the fear of being alone, which is really the fear of that message, you will never be good enough. You're not good enough. And I talk about this in my chapters in the book on the three binary gates, that powerful message of you're not good enough which really the underlying message even more powerful than that one is who you really are. Because when I'm saying you're not good enough, the underlying message I'm sending is who you really are doesn't matter. It's not just no good. You just don't matter. And there are no more powerful messages a child can get than that. And that has rung through the decades in your life for 58 years, that bell, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. And that's affecting every single decision you make. The anxiety, the fear of not being loved, the holding on even when somebody's abusing me or hurting me or just not apologizing or gaslighting. That's all you saying, okay, and I'm not blaming the victim. I'm just saying, okay, because that's mom's conditioning and never mind that dad didn't shut that shit down. If we had more time, we'd talk about dad's fucking role in that (laughs) whole bullshit, right? But that's mom's condition. It just means I need to work harder. Well, I just need to work and, harder. And that involves going deeper. That involves going deeper, right? And again, you've heard me say it before, but this is, um, there's a hole in my love cup. My book is exactly for this. It, it takes you down into that cave that you've been afraid to go into. It helps you open the vault and flush all that stuff out. And it doesn't have to take forever. This is not a process that has to take a long time. If you know where you're going, if you're willing to go deep enough, if you're willing to finally allow yourself to be overwhelmed at times, to feel all that pain, because fundamentally it boils down to this, that seven-year-old girl is bringing that cigar box and the vault that goes with it to you and saying, I wasn't strong enough. Please, please let out my feelings, validate my voice, tell me that my voice matters. You're strong now, you're 58. And with her is 14 year old you and 23 year old you and 37 year old you. All of them are saying to you, we're depending on you. You're strong enough, we weren't. Please let all the feelings out because remember why that little girl put the feelings in the cigar box to begin with. Because that was her real self and it wasn't safe for her to express, to push out her real self. So she saved the most precious thing, the thing most dear to her, and that was her real voice, her real self. And so by you opening that box and letting those out, you are saying to that child, you are good enough, you do matter. You're a beautiful little girl. None of this bullshit that happened to you was true. None of the messages were true to begin with. No child comes out of the womb thinking I suck or I'm no good or the world is, no. They come out beautiful, right? So you are taught a lie. And until you go back and allow that seven-year-old to have her voice, to what some call reparent, and just reparent by giving that voice. Because if you don't, now it's not someone else saying your feelings don't matter, little girl. Now now it's 58-year-old you saying it to her, that you do matter and your voice matters. For once in your life, you're gonna get your voice. And you never have to say shit to your dementia-ridden mother. It has nothing to do with her. 
Which I don't. Right. And it's about yeah. you getting these messages out in your uh, in your work on yourself. So I applaud you for how far you've come, Chris. We never got into the juicy stuff of the masturbation and the premarital <laughs> sex and the sex outside of marriage. It was going to be so sexy. And then the religion, and it was going to be crazy. And then we get this last minute news and it went this whole different uh, direction. And I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, so let me ask you one final question. And that is, how are you feeling? What's going on inside of you right now? If you're to be totally honest, what's going on inside of you right now? I'm actually very proud of myself. I'm, I'm very proud of myself. For? in this relationship, I, I did speak my mind. I didn't hold back. Good for you. I wasn't angry about things or mean about things. Mm. I was very calm about expressing my opinions mm -hmm. and I, the first night that I met him, our first date, I asked him a question and asked him what his warning label would be. And he gave me an answer Ooh, like and he asked me the same, same question. Sure. And I said, my warning label, I never thought about it. And I said, it would be, don't fuck with me. All right. Salty girl. And, I love it. And he almost put me in the friend zone because of that. Huh? And I then explained what it meant was if you, if you mess with me, if I'm not going to blow up like dynamite but I won't take it anymore. It used to be fragile, mm -hmm. handle with care. Yeah. It's now don't fuck with me. I love and if it. you fuck with me, I'll walk away. I love it. And that's exactly what I did. I think and I told him last night, I said, you fucked with me. I'm walking. That's great. And I, and I love it. And that's an indicator of progress. And, uh, you need to understand, um, the words I choose to refer to this is imagine feelings or getting fucked with or swallowing your voice or you know shit like that imagine those as beeps on a heart monitor beep, you know those peaks you know in movies or in a hospital beep, beep, beep. Okay. right and each one of those is is that is those uh times when you swallow your voice or you don't speak up with yourself like in that 15 year or like when whatever in this relationship in those times where maybe you didn't speak up for your voice maybe there were some times okay you have to understand oh, yeah. the goal isn't to get rid of them completely because there are always going to be things that set us off in life. It's unavoidable. If your dog dies, you're going to be sad. Okay. Yeah. But the goal is particularly in relationships is to reduce those in intensity that they, the more we do the inner work, the less those flare ups inside of me or those swallowing my voices or, or the effect of fear on me, they, they become reduced in intensity. They become reduced in duration Mm -hmm. I had someone tell me just this last month, uh, Sven, I used to cry for months. Now I'll, I'll, I cry for a couple of days and I'm so pissed at myself. Why aren't I over it? I'm like, you you just told me you went from two months to two days. That's fucking progress. So that's reducing yeah. the duration. So it's reducing intensity, reducing duration and reducing frequency. And so you're on that path and, and keep doing the healing. But most importantly, it's going into that vault so that I no longer even have to have that and if the outer shell works of don't fuck with me for now, that's great compared to where you fucking came from. I'm all for that. But the more you do the work, the more you're going to realize I don't even need the shell. Because I just know that if you do fuck with me or if you don't apologize or if you try to gaslight, I'll be like, listen, thanks for the memories. Um, I got to go. This, this just doesn't work. Exactly. So I just want to say to you so much, Chris, this has been a fun little ride, you know, moment by moment <laughs> updates. And I, I wish we can stick around with you more. I can't wait to hear the next text that he supposedly was done communicating, but he still has more to say. I, you know, I, I'd love to stay in it with you. Thank you so much for telling us and, and 
opening up your heart. I know a lot, somewhat, you know, with the tears and talking about mom, I know it was really sensitive stuff and the memories of the abuse, uh, abusive relationship and marriage and so forth. So I, I just want to say that I really applaud you for the work you're doing and I do hope you will Thank continue you. it truly. Oh, absolutely. Good for you. Absolutely. Good for you. I'm, a, I'm a fighter. I think it's great. I think it's great. And to all of you listening in, I, I think we can all say a big thank you to Chris for opening up. It's been great. Um, and on behalf of my production team, Rob, any last thoughts? What troubled me uh, a lot was when we got that text, the breaking news text, uh -huh. and he said, oh, I'm devastated. I'm cutting off all communication. It's like he's saying, you can't fire me. I quit. Right. What's with this guy? So it's only a testament to Chris's strength and her resolve and how far she's come. It's a beautiful thing. I like that. That's, that's an interesting insight. I like that. I like that. It makes me think of he told me he told me that he can't be in a relationship where he can't trust. After When I told him I don't trust him, he said, I can't be in a relationship where there's no trust. And I said, you just blew it up. What an idiot. I, uh, yeah. Right. Uh, I can't trust you. No, no, or you say you can't trust me? No, 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 I can't trust you. Wait, you say uh -huh. I'm a bad guy? No, you're a bad guy. You say I'm a bad listener? No, you're a bad listener. It's like tit for tat <laughs> fucking sandbox bullshit, you fucking baby. Jeez. Not you, him. Right, right, right. Well, I know, I know. Right. Like, I, I just looked at him and went, wow. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, again, Chris, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been great. Thank you. I appreciate it. You betcha. And on behalf of my production team, to all of those around the world listening in to the Badass Counseling Show, thank you so much and have a kick-ass day. The Badass Counseling Show is strictly copyrighted. No copies may be made without the express written consent of the Badass Counseling Show, LLC. The Badass Counseling Show is produced by Karen Camparelli and Robert H. Friedman. Executive producer, Sven Erlinson. Original music by two-time Emmy Award-winning composer Trevor Morris. Have a kick-ass day.